We interrupt your normally scheduled podcast for this extremely important announcement. Over to you, Kevin. We have a new premium episode coming out. My God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's going to entice people to buy. If you want more content just like this, head on over. (laughs) For an hour, we just make silly noises into the microphones. We have a new premium episode. It's, I think, a, a big Hollywood blockbuster movie that most people have seen. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls? Yeah. Is perhaps that the full title? Perhaps you've heard of it, Martin. <laughs> have I heard of it? I heard it was, well, you'll have to listen to find out. I heard it raped your childhood, 10 Ways to Sunday. Yeah. I'm you and little... the rest of the internet. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little hurt by it. Yeah, so head on over to yeahitsthatbad.bandcamp.com. Pick up our latest premium episode, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Along with that, you'll also get a free bonus gratis pro bono episode of Yeah, It's That Bad After Dark, the podcast where we let our hair down and we discuss wide array of topics. In this latest episode, we talk about Martin nearly dying of alcohol poisoning, girls being beaten to death out of a men's room stall, and just drunken debauchery in general. All in the seedy, seamy underbelly of Atlantic City. AC. <laughs> it's the place to be. Place to be. Where the lights burn bright. <laughs> Roll them dice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's that bad.bandcamp.com. Buy yours today. Following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of... Yeah, it's that bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2004's Man on Fire, directed by Tony Scott, starring Denzel Washington, Dakota Fanning, Christopher Walken, Giancarlo Giannini, Rada Mitchell, Mark Anthony, Rachel Tacotin and Mickey Rourke. Man on Fire is a 2004 American thriller film. It currently holds a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? In Mexico City, the former CIA assassin and presently an alcoholic, a decadent man, John Creasy, is hired by the industrial... <laughs> he's decadent. De- he's decadent. All right. <laughs> he's so decadent. <laughs> is hired by the industrialist Samuel Ramos with a recommendation of his old friend Rayburn to be the bodyguard of his younger daughter Pita and his wife Lisa. Pita changes the behavior of the cold Creasy, <laughs> making him live and smile again, and he feels a great <laughs> affection for her. When the girls kidnap, Creasy swears to kill each one responsible for the abduction. Thank you, Claudia. <laughs> as soon as I saw Denzel Washington, I said, this is the picture of decadence. <laughs> okay, tonight's movie was sponsored by Stefan, and Stefan writes in and says, Hi, Joe Martin Kevin, big fan of the show and first time emailer. I've been listening every week since the Boondock Saints episode and the show has become my favorite film podcast on iTunes and I've listened to more than a few of them. Thank you for working so hard for your fans and for keeping the production values of your podcast and website high. It definitely helped make my decision to donate a small amount and purchase a premium episode a fairly easy one. Since my donation of $52 meets the pre-established criteria for a sponsored episode, I would like to request that you review the 2004 Man on Fire, directed by Tony Scott and starring Denzel Washington and Christopher Walken if you can fit it in your schedule the film currently holds a 39% around tomatoes I actually own the film on DVD and it's one in my collection of contemporary films that I always come back to I think it's a very mature film from Scott and one that stays with you long after it's over it's a relief to see 
Scott and writer Helgeland focus so much on developing the characters and allowing them to achieve a humanity that we can actually understand. Too often, Scott builds larger-than-life figures without the necessary character buildup, and they are simply implausible. This isn't the case here, and the film holds up to repeat viewings. And, I would argue, gets better each time. I think the critics were turned off by the excessive violent material that Scott includes in the second act. This is rare for him. But, I found it to fit comfortably within the story and its pre-established themes. To say that every actor delivers career best performances is certainly not a stretch. So, as you can tell, I am a fan of the film. I am curious about your views on it. I find myself frequently disagreeing with you guys, especially on Shyamalan, but that is a different email altogether. But, maybe this is one of the films on which our opinions align. Keep up the amazing work on the show, Stefan. Okay, man on fire. What is your history with this? I've never seen this movie before. This is brand new to me. I'm shocked. I can't believe my eyes. <laughs> Even though you said it to me, I can't believe my eyes. <laughs> you could see the words as it came out of his mouth. I saw this movie on HBO. I really liked it. Yeah, I saw this movie a long time ago. I don't think I liked it at the time. I, I wasn't too impressed by it. So we'll see. Maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. It is interesting to see another Tony Scott slash Denzel Washington collaboration here at Yes, That Bad World Headquarters. Is this our third Tony Scott movie? Yeah. Top Gun this. Huh? Yeah. All right. There's been a bit of a bell curve, I guess. I, I thought Top Gun was crap. Deja Vu was better. Will this be the peak? know about that yeah whatever that's top gun i don't remember shirtless volleyball in deja vu do you remember that martin i didn't see any shirtless volleyball yeah in deja vu. i'm sorry yeah I, I guess you're right. a star yeah you're right you're right that's why we haven't given five out of five you know because <laughs> they're not enough there's not enough shirtless volleyball <laughs> although constantine did have a shirtless volleyball scene which is why you gave it a five yeah exactly you guys just didn't notice it <laughs> okay let's do what we always do at the top of the show we'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did First up, the triumphant return of Denzel Washington. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. Guy's a great actor. His B game or C game is a lot of actor on this show's A game, so. You mean his A game is Josh Lucas level? <laughs> Shane West level? His 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 A game is almost as good as Tyrese Gibson. No, I agree. I almost, agree. almost. I agree. Come on. Almost as good as Tyrese's C game. <laughs> Yeah, Denzel was really good in this. I liked him a lot. This is one of my favorite roles I've seen him in. So this guy's got charisma. Yeah. Despair. Yeah. I saw it oozing out of his pores in this movie. His, <laughs> his charisma juice. I heard that he has style, too. Flair. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? I'm glad you asked. Uh, this month's GQ is out, and <laughs> Denzel Washington is strutting his stuff on the cover. Check it out. Yeah, he's a silver fox these days. Huh? He's got some of that salt and pepper facial hair. He's not a Lucius Fox, though. <laughs> it's funny how some men, when they, they get older, they get beards, and it looks dignified. Yep. Yet other men, they get beards, it looks patchy and yellow and piss-stained. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, Denzel Washington. Hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> Three cheers. <laughs> Three cheers for Denzel Washington. He's amazing. He did it again. Okay, I never thought I'd say these words. The triumphant return. Dakota Fanning. Who knew that in a few years she'd grow up to be hanging out with Bella Swan? <laughs> In Forks, Washington. <laughs> you couldn't keep her down. What a meteoric rise. <laughs> After this, she went from hanging out with Denzel Washington to hobnobbing with Cameron Bright. Whoa. We can all agree. She's no L fanning. No. Yeah, Super 8, right? Hey, look, I'm going to be honest. I thought that as for a little kid acting, she was pretty good. I liked her. She... I have no complaints. Okay, so Dakota Fanning, she gets she gets one thumbs up from me. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, she was amazing. <laughs> 
children. Hip, hip, hooray for Dakota fans. Well, Three cheers. Three Compare cheers. her to the normal children that we see on this show. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's like Dame Judy Dench compared to <laughs> what we usually get. I like those kids in Willow and... You just can't stop thinking about those they kids. They were so Willow. bad. Who? What else? What are the bad kids have we gotten? Every kid in every movie we've ever seen. Except even the horror for kids. Yep. Okay. Next up, Christopher Walken. Is this the first time we've had him on this show? It's got to be. How is that possible? I'm amazed. He's in fifty percent of Hollywood movies. I'm glad to have Walken in any movie. Absolutely. Were you walking on sunshine? I was walking on broken glass. <laughs> Okay, what do you think of this guy? He was good. I liked it. It was I, good. I Happy always, to have him. I always like seeing. Uh, he was very low key. Christopher Walken. Yep. He wasn't flying off the handle. Uh huh. When I think of Christopher Walken, I think of his scene from Pulp Fiction. That's like the iconic Christopher Walken to me. And he was nowhere near that. But I thought he did a great job. Yeah, he brought subtlety to it. But that's what it called for, and he was good at it. Okay, how about the ex, Mister and Mrs. Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony? They were married, right? Yeah, they were married. Yeah, they're not, are they not married. No, anymore? they're not married anymore. Yeah. He he was all right. I'm gonna say he was probably the weakest out of everybody here. Oh? Yeah. That's not... Both physically and in his acting oh, ability. absolutely. He couldn't lift up probably just... He probably couldn't press the bar if he was in a gym. His wife could beat him up in this movie. J-Lo could have beat him up as well? No, in this movie. Rada Mitchell. Yeah. I've seen her before, but I don't know from what. I agree with that statement. I feel like I've seen her in some other type of, like, kidnapping movie. Maybe, like, The Safe Room or something. Was she in Doom? Like, what was she in? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. Somebody look it up. Everybody here has a phone that they can look it up. Somebody no, do it. I'm not allowed to have my phone near the recording equipment. All right, That's then. been plainly made out to me. Fine. Yeah, I had to put my phone on airplane mode. All right, fine. All right, and finally, making his triumphant return to Yes That Bad. Not since the days of The Expendables have I seen Mickey Rourke. <laughs> he was good. Mickey Rourke is a good actor. I'm so used to looking at him all haggard and with tattoos and stuff. Clean cut man in this movie. He looked so different. Yeah. He was good. Very little Mickey Rourke. I could use some more of him. Yeah? I could always use more Mickey Rourke. Yeah, he's good. I always want him to play, you know, the, the Ram. Randy the Ram. Mm. It's a great character. You just play that in every movie he's in from now on. <laughs> it, there was nothing to complain about acting-wise. This is a really well-acted movie. No, it's a solid movie. Really competent actors. It's great. How rare. How rare indeed. <sighs> okay, that's pretty much it. Let's get into the history of Man on Fire. This is the second adaptation of A.J. Quinnell's 1980 novel of the same name. The first film based on the novel was released in 1987. Tony Scott, the director, tried to have a version of the film made in 1983, but since the film would have been his second after The Hunger, Paul Davies, a journal article author, theorized that movie producers would have believed that Scott lacked the experience to direct the film. At the time, Italy was still a major center for kidnapping in the world. 20th Century Fox wanted the film to be set in Italy. An early draft of the film script was set in Naples. Scott argued that if the setting would be Italy, then the film would have to be a period piece. Since by the 2000s, kidnapping became a rare occurrence in Italy. Mexico City became the setting of the 2004 film because Mexico City had a high kidnapping rate and due to other reasons. In A.J. Quinnell's novel, Dakota Fanning's character in Italy was named Pinta. After director Tony Scott changed the film's setting to Mexico and discovered that Pinta is Mexican slang for whore... He had the name changed to Pita, which is Mexican for bread. You okay with that, Kevin? Oh, I've eaten Pita bread. I've eaten whores. <laughs> he made her full name Lupita. <laughs> 
Dakota Fanning had a stunt burper because she couldn't do it. What a weak, weak, weak little girl. I hope she was chastised by the cast and crew of that film. All three of us are professional burpers. We do it nonstop. Uh-huh. If only you could hear the unedited version of the show. It's just like an hour long of belching. Every year we do put on a clinic down at the Coney Island. <laughs> Instead of the Coney Island freak show, we all get together and just burp for 24 hours straight. <laughs> Rada Mitchell had three bodyguards protecting her when she was in Mexico for filming. She said they were hired after her driver was carjacked at gunpoint in Mexico City. Robert De Niro, Tom Cruise, Will Smith, and Bruce Willis were offered the role of Creasy. Michael Bay was offered the chance to direct this movie. A.J. Quinnell had a favorable reception to this adaptation, mainly because the film used many of the book's lines. Quinnell said that usually screenwriters like to leave their mark on the product. Quinnell added that even though he usually dislikes film adaptations of books, the writers did a good job with Man on Fire, and I love the chemistry between Creasy and the girl. And when I first heard Denzel was playing the part of Creasy, I missed a couple of heartbeats because he played the part brilliantly. The film is violent, and if the anger is not portrayed properly, the results can be awful. Okay, Martin, this movie has a $70 million budget. How much did it make worldwide? 78, 79. Piss poor predictions, portrayed primarily by me. Kevin, what'd you think? Take a guess. Charity, Charity, pretend as if you didn't write these notes. Maybe like 130 36 million? <laughs> well, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're both wrong. The correct answer is 130 million dollars. Why'd you become Italian for a second? I got into the mood. <laughs> <laughs> Period piece. <sighs> oh, 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 man. I'm, that's, that's Italian, yeah, right? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Italian. <laughs> Okay, Man on Fire. So this movie starts off in the typical, yeah, it's that bad style with a little bit of text on the screen. I was happy to have it because it, it set up where we were and what was going on. And it's like, hey, Kevin, did you know that 10 trillion kidnappings happen every microsecond in, in Mexico? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good background, right? I like when, when films do this where they drop like actual knowledge. It's not, we're in a land of make-believe and there's an evil queen. The Nell winds are fighting Queen Beth Mardo against Matt Mardigan. <laughs> yeah, this just threw some, some facts at you hard and fast. Oh, yeah. And you had to get get with it and go. Well, th- right off the bat, this movie hits you hard and it hits you quick. Weird colors. <laughs> yep. Epileptic flashing lights. Yep. Shaky cam out the ass. <laughs> I don't particularly care for the style of this. The it, only the, the only thing that was nice about this was the music that they played. Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. Oh, God, there you yeah, go. Yeah, nice. It's, it's a common complaint I've heard from people that have seen this is... I had a seizure this, while this, watching yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to the hospital after I watched it. <laughs> is the style with which this was shot. And from perusing the negative reviews for this movie, that's what the, the main critics' complaint was, too, was the style of it. I could see how if you saw this in a theater, oh, man. it would be terrible. There's nowhere to go. Just the flashing lights in your just face. Just pitch black room and those lights flashing and those strange colors. I watched this in a well, my well-lit living room, and I didn't love it, but it didn't affect me all that much. Like It didn't didn't hurt my opinion of the movie. Okay. Well, I watched it out of a Virtua Boy, and I had a seizure <laughs> and got a splitting headache where blood started pouring out of my ears. So I can totally understand where these people are coming from. The sh- it's the, the, the way that they film that the shaky cam with those flashes of like bright white light is just blinding it's infuriating because i can't i can't even pay attention i like lack the ability to understand what's happening on screen <laughs> what's good about this text though is that it lets me know what's going on in central america or latin america with kidnapping and it sets the scene up and it kind of takes you right to the border of el paso texas
Texas, and immediately you're getting walking in Denzel back to back, neck to neck, shoulder to shoulder, rubbing elbows. Yeah, asses to elbows. <laughs> walking Denzel, they're got a witty repartee back and forth. Their charisma was sparkling off the screen. Oh yeah, you blown away? Yeah, this is. I'm really happy right now. Really happy compared to what we normally sit through. Just to start this movie off with Denzel Washington and Christopher Walken acting on the screen, <laughs> it's amazing. They play well off of each other. Oh, they, yeah. They really do. All right, Kevin, what if we swap out Denzel Washington? We put a Ryan Reynolds in there. and But he plays the same character from the Amityville Horror. <laughs> 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 At what stage of catch and kill him madness is he at? <laughs> Full blown. <laughs> Full blown catch him kill him. Yeah, so Denzel Washington and Christopher Walken, they're old buddies, they're old pals, they're grab ass and they're <laughs> hanging around you know they're having a good time they're at a barbecue or whatever there's a lot of attractive women yeah Christopher Walken's running a brothel I yeah, guess it's like he's a drug lord or something <laughs> they hint at their past lives like clearly they were like they were the expendables in their past lives right the yeah. expendables were real mm-hmm. they were murderous bloodthirsty killers absolutely Denzel Washington drops out he drops this little clunker on the table he goes do you think God will forgive us for what we've done and Christopher Walken chuckles and says no <laughs> nah I don't <laughs> nah. So brown. Yeah, I mean, this movie gets a little deep with the theology and stuff. A little heavy-handed for me. In a movie about people getting bombs on their, up their butts, I don't think I need these little religious asides, these theological discussions. I like it, though. It places you in Denzel's state of mind, not where he that, is. Not only that, it lets you know that they have a conscience. Mm-hmm. That I mean, they're, they're not, not just cold-blooded killers. No, but that's what makes the second half of this movie so effective. Because it makes me realize that he is a redeemable character, and it's, it allows me me to, to understand that he was able to connect with Dakota Fanning. And he doesn't want to do the things that he eventually does, right? Like He's trying to leave that life behind. So Denzel Washington, he's a disheveled drunken bum? He's a drug addict. Or, oh, no, he's an alcoholic. No, he's a, Denzel's a world-renowned alcoholic with extensive drinking experience internationally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's no stranger on a tourist judge either. <laughs> oh, oh, no. He knows how to handle not. his firearms. He knows how to shoot a tourist drug... <laughs> tourist drug... <laughs> tourist drudge report. <laughs> <laughs> no, he knows how to shoot his tourist judge drunk. Yeah, so he needs a job. He he needs work. And Christopher Watkins got just the thing. We cut to Mark Anthony, and he's talking to his lawyer, Mickey Rourke. Apparently, Mark Anthony has this insurance policy on him. It's going to expire in 10 seconds unless he can buy <laughs> a new bodyguard or else his policy lapses. Yep. So he's like, yeah, just buy a cheap-ass piece of crap, worthless. Buy a the Behringer of bodyguards. <laughs> Go to Behringer. Behringer.com, order yourself a bodyguard, and you'll be set. And that's how Denzel Washington meets this family. Little did he know that Denzel Washington is really not the Behringer of bodyguards. (laughs) (laughs) He has a drinking problem, but other than that, he is the most bloodthirsty, efficient Rembrandt of murderers, right? Is that how it was like He is a very proficient killer. Yeah, he describes him later. As like an artist. Walken describes him as... (laughs) An artist. And his medium is death. Yeah. Yeah. Casey's art is death and he's painting his masterpiece. Yeah. That was a great line. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh man, that was a great line. I stopped the movie. I turned to my wife and said, that's a line. That's a movie line. We don't get these watching the crap like 
<laughs> Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> Did she like Man of Fire? She had seen it already. Oh yeah, she so she was kind of in and out of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was she was in and out of grandma seizures. Who's <laughs> <laughs> oh, flashing lights? <laughs> All right, so we meet Dakota Fanning, and she's like a little adult in baby form or whatever. <laughs> Dakota Fanning Jr. Jr. She's, she's walking around and she wants to befriend her new bodyguard. But Denzel, he's got a cold, gruff exterior. You know, he's all business. You gotta melt that cold heart. You know what Denzel Washington is? He's got a he's got a hard coat, but a heart of gold. Like a hooker with a heart of gold? Yeah, something like that. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Denzel Washington goes back to the compound that he's staying in, and we get this insane scene where Denzel hits the bottle hard, man. He's looking for answers, and he's trying to find them at the bottom of that bottle. And we have this insane flashing light shooting in my face scene where they're playing Nine Inch Nails, and he tries to commit suicide, I guess. Mm-hmm. Kaleidoscopic is the word I would just describe it. I, I, I felt like I was chaotic and frenzied. I had dropped copious, heroic amounts of LSD. Yeah, I was in a K-hole while I was watching this whole thing. It was unbelievable. And then, all of a sudden, it cuts to him being out, to him outside in a deluge downpour, and he looks up at the window, and Dakota Fanning waves at him and he's crying like a baby. He was wallowing in self-pity He was wallowing in his own chaotic insecure delusions. Than I've ever seen anyone wallow before in oh, my yeah. life. Oh yeah, he was crying like a weak, weak man rolling around on the ground. He goes outside to call Christopher Walken. He's like, I pulled the trigger on my gun and the bullet didn't go off. Yeah, what does this mean? He's gonna kill himself, but I guess the hand of God intervened. Who are you to wave your finger? You must be out of your head. My favorite part of this is that he decided it was a good idea to go outside in a hurricane to make the cell phone call? It was like Godzilla was in town. It was unbelievable. I've never seen it rain that hard in my life. <laughs> when Godzilla shows up to your city, it just starts pouring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just starts raining. Denzel starts to soften up a bit when he begins training Dakota Fanning in swimming. He becomes her swim coach. She's a young Michael Phelps in Absolutely. training. So she, he, Denzel sees that at her swim meet, when the gun goes off, everyone jumps in the pool but Dakota Fanning. She like freaks out at the sound of the gun. She jumps in like three, four hours after everybody yeah, else. Yeah, she's a weakling. Denzel was furious. <laughs> that she was scared of a gun. He was. <laughs> he was like, don't you ever be scared of a gun. You love the gun. So he pulls out his torch judge and he just starts firing it in her ear. <laughs> she, after her permanent nerve damage, she jumps back into the pool and starts swimming. I like these scenes where he's her swim coach. Like it was, I know it's kind of cliche and corny, but I felt like I got invested in these characters and their relationship as, you know, he was teaching her how to react quicker and she was going through all these swimming lessons with him. I like all this stuff. Kevin, I'm on the same page as you. I definitely appreciated these scenes where he's getting to know Dakota Fanning because it gets you invested in the characters and it sets up the rest of the movie. It actually makes me care what's happening to these people. Yeah, isn't it amazing? We never get that ever. Not ever in these movies. No. Never ever. Okay, so the fruits of Denzel Washington's swim coaching labor. Loins. <laughs> <laughs> swim coaching labor (laughs) is a medallion that he picked up probably from Joel when Joel was spending his time in St. Jude Hospital. With the kids? (laughs) Yeah, he spent his time there with the kids. (laughs) So he gets gets his St. Jude medallion. uh, Kevin, along with uh, Sandusky jokes... And whatever the hell else, Martin brings up St. Jude's <laughs> Children's Hospital in joking form every day. What is there to joke about? 
Aren't those like sick and dying children? Yes. Like that's not funny at all. That's Squire's go-to. Sandusky and St. Jude's. And if you can combine the two, then it's a red letter day for everybody. Oh my God. If there was ever a joke where Sandusky was involved in the St. Jude Children's Hospital, my, I would die of laughter. Where were we? It's not just me. You joke about St. Jude as well. No, I have no idea what you're talking you about. You absolutely do. You're so full of shit. I don't understand what the, what's, what's there to joke about. He thinks it's funny that, like, for some reason, he is at, like, no matter what happens, if someone gets sick, they automatically have to go to St. Jude Children's Hospital. <laughs> They're a grown man. <laughs> like, a grown man will show up there and his, like, head shaved. <laughs> it's like Joel, Joel got, like, the flu and had to go to St. Jude. <laughs> Like, he thinks that's funny. <laughs> All right. We should stop making fun of children. <laughs> Sick kids. <laughs> okay, so Dakota Fanning's papa wants her to become a world-class pianist. And in order to do that, she has to go to the world's best Mexican pianist in town. He's going to teach her how to tickle that piano. <laughs> what are you, Xavier? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but Dakota Fanning, she doesn't want to do it. She wants to be a swim Earth. fan. Swim fan. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> you ever swim fan? Unfortunately, I do. Kevin saw a swim fan in the theater. That he he won't shut up about it. He'll never shut up about it. It was terrible. <laughs> Why'd you do that? I was forced to. Mm. By your future wife-to-be? No. Another female. Who, man. Ouch. You'll, you'll do anything for love, but you won't do that. <laughs> Okay, so luckily Denzel, he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. He tells Dakota Fanning to burp nonstop, 200 burps a minute while she's playing the piano. And the guy who's teaching her, he's not going to accept it. He's not to, he's not going to accept her for farting and her burping while she's playing yeah. the piano. And he's going to kick her out and she can go back to swimming. Good advice. I mean, yeah. So Denzel Washington, he's moving and grooving outside of the, the piano studio. He's dancing. Listening to the music. <laughs> he's, on, he's on cloud nine. <laughs> And then he notices that these corrupt Mexican cops <laughs> drive by. Mm-hmm. He just knew instinctively that they were corrupt. Yeah, so the, the Mexican cops show up and he's like, oh, something's up. And then this car that he noticed that was killing them in the past appeared. Uh-oh, inside job. All these cops and crooks pop out. They're there to kidnap Dakota Fanning. But he's ready. He pulls out his tourist judge and he starts firing blindly into the public. No way. <laughs> he was on target. Like every shot he fired hit somebody. You don't have to aim a tourist judge. Is this? considered a double cross or are Mexican police so corrupt it's no just, yeah that's just that's just par yeah that's exactly what they say single cross <laughs> This is just a cross. This was the one frustrating thing in the movie for me. He yells at her, get, get out of here. Yeah. She knows what's happening, right? She... Why does she just go back into the piano teacher's place? The door's right there. She runs down the street. That guy's not going to save him. Yeah, that at guy... Least it's, at least she'd be behind a door. That guy looks like a wuss master. Like, he is not saving her. Mm, we should be inside. She was going down. Denzel Washington, he unloads his 70,000 bullet clip of his tourist judge into the two police officers. Yeah, that and... one guy's head just explodes. <laughs> He shoots a couple people in the car, in the chest plate, but eventually he gets shot twice in the chest. He got shot 400 times, I think. He got shot 40 times in the shoulder and 14 times in his left lung. That's an interesting thing about this movie. Denzel Washington gets shot a lot. Yep. Yet he still keeps running around. He's pulling a Max Payne. You think he's on that Valkyrie drug? Absolutely. What I like about this is that when Denzel Washington wakes up, he's in the hospital, and the corrupt Mexican cops, they're framing him for murder. And they're like, yeah, he murdered these two heroic 
way, cops. But everybody there knows that they're just like the most corrupt people on the planet. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, so I guess I have some some level of experience with this. I went to college with a kid um, who was from Ecuador and his family, they had a lot of money. They lived like, like in a compound. They had a whole security team. And about a year after we graduated college, he was back down at Ecuador and he got kidnapped. And the details are kind of spotty. I mean, I was getting this secondhand from another kid that I was friends with. But I think that his family like, paid the ransom, but they actually ended up killing him anyway. And he died at the hands of these kidnappers. So like, I mean, this stuff's real. Yeah, it happens. Serious business. And like the, this movie opened with the credits were the kind of the, the start to finish of a kidnapping of like a young man. And as I was watching that, like I, I couldn't help but think about this kid. His name was Jose. And like that happening to him. It was it was pretty crazy. Like that, again, like just like deja vu, like the beginning of this movie, I was like unsettled from the start mm-hmm. because of that. But um, so yeah, this stuff's real. I mean, I guess that's something a lot of times we watch these movies and they're just stupid crap. Like watermelons <laughs> on tables and garbage <laughs> like that. Catch them, kill them. <laughs> But this, this is like real stuff. Like this is really happening. This is legit. <clears throat> yeah, it's, I mean, it's an absolute free for all down there, right? Yeah, like I could even Mexico City's probably better, but like the parts of Mexico that I had been to, like there's not even like traffic lights or anything. Like people just drive on the road, like like they've never invented the stop sign. It's craziness down there. When I was last year, when I was in Mexico, I was sitting in the back of a flatbed pickup truck as a taxi, <laughs> getting driven. Were you around. were you like crossing the border to come back <laughs> to get a no, job here in America? No. No, no, they were... I was I was getting a lift to a to a surf break that I wanted to surf called Los Pinos and that's that that was their taxis in the city of Mazatlan. So Denzel gets shot fifty trillion times and Dakota Fanning comes running back and in slow motion goes, crazy no She gets kidnapped and what we get next over the course of about 10 minutes is Dakota Fanning being kidnapped, them negotiating the ransom, trying to get the money to these people, and Creasy in a hospital, shot. And what I don't understand the entire time is how this world-renowned master alcoholic is able to survive in a hospital without going into, like, DTs and just dying. He was protected by his friend Jack Daniels. It was coursing through his veins. <laughs> Instead of an IV, they just had the bottle yeah. upside down going into his veins. <laughs> he was in the Mexican St. Jude's, man. <laughs> world-renowned. <laughs> round the clock care. All right, I see it. I see it. I got you. I'm on board. <laughs> I actually like this stuff with the dad setting up the meeting and having to do, drop the money and the car and all this stuff. It was really sketchy. I liked it. It's a seamy underbelly. Yeah, I didn't... The drop scene was so confusing to me. And it gets cleared up later, but I had no idea what was going on when he made the money drop. Did you guys understand it? Yeah, because they were. it was one of those situations where they're explaining what he needs to do and they're showing him doing it mm-hmm. while they're explaining it. And you get to see Mark Anthony without a shirt on. That was all right. Yeah, the beefcake levels are through the roof. Yeah, I guess through the floor. Oh, the rock bottom prices? Yeah. Mark Anthony is a steamy .05 beefcakes. Wow. <laughs> this guy's a joke, dude. That's below Matthew Broderick levels. <laughs> yes, he's below Matthew Broderick beefcake levels. Mark Anthony's built like a 10-year-old boy, right? Oh, this is the man. most incendiary thing I've ever heard in my life. Look, you're going to put you look, you're you're going to put Mark Anthony on the same screen as Denzel Washington and and Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke could fit Mark Anthony in his pocket. That's Co- how tiny he is. Stamped and co-signed. Is he Willow? Yeah. He's a brownie. <laughs> He's a brownie. Kevin Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mark Anthony is a brownie. Yeah, French Canadian. You can eat him and it won't be cannibalism. There you go. All right. Well, it turns out that Mark Anthony dropped the money off, but something went horribly, horribly wrong or horribly right, depending on your perspective, because someone robbed the money. So the kidnapper took a tourist judge and he blew Dakota Fanning into the next life. Ken, were you shocked? Um, Yeah, I was. I guess mo- mostly because I didn't really understand what happened at the drop scene. I didn't know what was going to happen. It is confusing. And then the phone call happens and he's basically like, sorry, bro, you're not going to see your daughter ever again. Yeah, man. That's it. Business is business, bro. Yeah. I- I'm a professional. Yeah, that's what everybody says in this movie over and over again. I'm a professional. <laughs> There's a lot of professional people in this movie. So they're all registered kidnappers, at least. Yeah, yeah. They all got their LLCs. They have their licenses. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the, the Better Business Bureau rates the level of kidnapping? <laughs> well, Denzel's getting better. He's up. He's out and about. He's got mummy amounts of bandaging all over his body. He's leaking blood everywhere, and he's getting driven towards the border of the United States, and Walken is saying that he will get him into a hospital, and Denzel makes him turn back around so that he can get his revenge. Yeah, Denzel Washington goes on a killing spree. How about um, how about the shirt he's wearing? Can you re- refresh my memory, please? It was possibly the ugliest piece of clothing I've ever seen in my life. What or, are you talking what, about? Yeah, it was like it, like purplish, like little brown <laughs> spots <laughs> on it. It's the ugliest shirt I've ever you, seen in my life. Are you talking life. about Christopher Walken or Denzel Washington? Denzel. I have no idea what, what you're talking about. What are you talking, talking about? He's the ugliest shirt I've ever seen. I'm leaving this in the podcast as a testament <laughs> To how far you've fallen. I have no idea what you're even... What are you talking yeah, what, about? What is this rambling? You need to rewatch the movie <laughs> to see how ugly the bad shirt was. Okay. It was right. horrendous. What? Yeah, right, so Denzel Washington, he goes on a killing spree. He remembers the license plate of the guy who was following him, and he captures a crooked, corrupt cop, ties him up in his car, and he pulls, like, uh, starts torturing this dude oh, yeah. to get some info. Is Danielle Smol... Is Dan- <laughs> is Danielle. Danielle Smolders... <laughs> <laughs> is Denzel smoldering at this point? Is he smoking? Is he get, is he, is he heating up? Is what I'm asking. When does he become a man on fire? He's not on fire yet. He's not. Like I was telling you before, this is NBA Jam rules. He has to kill three people in a row. Without getting shot. Flawlessly. Then he'll be on fire. Mm. So he gets a corrupt cop. He wants answers and he's going to get him. He duct tapes this man's hands to the steering wheel and he explains that he's going to cut every single finger off of his hand and if he gives him the information that he wants, maybe not so painful. If he doesn't, it's probably going to hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. This is where this movie gets pretty pretty gruesome. Gruesome twosome. Yeah, I was flinching. Wincing. Winching. I had a winch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joe was, was like, cranking <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first scene of many scenes where we're going to get somebody that's being interrogated, trying to explain that they're just a professional. Yeah, it's a business. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just biz. Denzel Washington cuts this man's fingers off and takes a cigarette lighter and, <laughs> man, this is gross. He, uh, Quarterizes the wound with a cigarette lighter. It's pretty sweet. I'm surprised that that man didn't wasn't lit on fire. He basically just works his way up a ladder from this point on, torturing one person to get to another. He's he's playing a mortal game of shoots and ladders to get to the <laughs> to get to the top here. So this man he goes flying off a 50 trillion foot cliff, <laughs> and his car explodes, and everybody points and laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> And he's on. He's on to the next to the next victim. He's getting help the entire time by this Mexico City version of Lois Lane, who's looking to fight crime by being a reporter. She wants to. She, she wants to help out in whatever way that she can. And somehow, I guess reporters in Mexico City have access to all government records. Well, she's working with the head of some kind of international it's Interpol. Like, yeah, it's like Interpol or something for South America. Yeah, like, Interpol he's, Mexican. He's, style. He's, he's, yeah. he's Mexican inner gang and. <laughs> 
he, I, I guess she's his connection. Is that what's going on? Yes. Okay. So Denzel found this guy by giving the reporter its license plate number and she got the address from this detective guy. Uh, by the way, I'm so glad that immediately after she gave him the license plate, he, we just cut to the right guy. I was kind of oh, yeah. dreading that we would get scene after scene after scene of him investigating random mm-hmm. cars. I was like, oh, thank God. So I wonder how she feels knowing that she directly aided and abetted in murder. Yeah, she she aided this person's killing spree. I think she's fine with it because she, yeah. they're all corrupt. It's the Wild West, man. No morals down there. Well, this guy. I'm glad I'm glad that you bring that up because it's a completely amoral society. Yeah, yeah catch him, kill him. This is on their flag. This in Spanish. I'm glad that you brought that up because in the very next scene, we really get to see Denzel Washington cut cut loose. He heads to he cuts the, one. He lets it rip. He heads straight to the Mexico City Burning Man Festival where they're yep. they're just dancing and oh, yeah. raving. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So he he had his whistle out and his pacifier on and, and his giant visor sunglasses and he's dancing around the club. He interrogates these people and it, I can't even call this an interrogation. He asks them one question that shoots them in the chest <laughs> with a shotgun. <laughs> By the way, I was happy to have the, the guy that he's interrogating. He's like, I'm from New Jersey. Another New Jersey centric movie. Yep. Hey, look. <laughs> what, this is New Jersey centric. This movie revolves around New Jersey. <laughs> that was the keystone of this whole movie. The fact that he was from New Jersey. Okay, so he's from New Jersey and I could feel it in the air, man. You could tell from this movie that once you have a guy from New Jersey in your movie, everybody else is just a rat. Yeah. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I felt an instant kinship with that kidnapper. <laughs> I did not want him to die because he was my fellow Jerseyan. You know what? That's stupid, but I, I felt that way. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, I really hope this guy survives and makes it back to New Jersey so we can shop at the Guard State Plaza. <laughs> you guys are very strange. <laughs> Just another rat. <laughs> yeah, so Denzel Washington gets the info he wants, and he sets this club on fire. <laughs> another bar scene slash club scene for a yes, that bad feature film. Reminded me of the Killers. Remember that club scene? Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Just like it. <laughs> exactly like it. So Denzel Washington, he gets somebody else who's kidnapped. He he saves somebody else's life. Yeah, how to save a life. That was really sad. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty half-hearted the way we did it. Yeah, yeah. You know, when he gets out of this club, he is just bleeding everywhere. Because I I guess his bullet wounds haven't healed. We haven't talked about this. Denzel Washington is going on this killing spree. and He was mortally wounded. He's mortally wounded. And they're like, we need to get you to another hospital. You're you're, going to die in a day. (laughs) This children's hospital kiss him morning. (laughs) I thought he had been, he he had been in the hospital for like a month at the time he was I thought he was in the hospital for like an hour. And he just got fucked out. It seemed like it was like maybe a day or two. They said that he needed to recover for a month, but I don't think he was in there the whole time because his wounds, they reopen. Yeah, he was still bleeding. And they kept, like, in between every one of these investigation things he would do where he would interrogate somebody, he would find a pool and yes. just and jump in a pool. Baptism. And swim in the pool with his bloody wounds, oozing blood in the pool. Okay, but he was crawling in his skin and these wounds, they will not heal. Why? <laughs> Why was he doing this? Why was he constantly going into the pools of bleeding? He's baptizing himself. That was the theme. Think about that. You can't baptize yourself. I just got super meta on you. Why can't you baptize yourself? You can't baptize yourself. He's baptism by fire, man. He's a burning man. (laughs) 
Sometimes I wish this was video so people could see me holding my head in my hand. Okay, so Denzel is bleeding everywhere. The next, his next mode of attack is to storm an elderly couple's apartment, smack the old man in the face and tell him to sit down and shut up. He's not going to hurt him. And he pulls out his rocket launcher. He's pulling out his ro- his rocket propelled grenade. Yeah, it's Call of Duty. Yeah, COD4, Black Ops, World of War, <laughs> World at War, World of Warcraft. Yeah, it's all those things. Command and Conquer. Th- that, this was all happening at once. It turns out that the next person that he's going to kill is a pretty high-ranking member of the kidnapping investigation team, and he has a motorcade, which supposedly is better protected than the president of Mexico. Everyone's corrupt. Everybody. No matter what agency you're in, they're corrupt. I didn't think that this motorcade was very well protected, in no, my opinion. She, she made it out like, this is going to be like our president, right? This motorcade was a joke. Was, no, you're right. I, I was expecting like an, a militia. There was two like cars. A, two. That's it. Denzel was, it was pretty easy for him to infiltrate this spot and just take out the lead car, go in there with a incendiary grenade, throw it under the car, jump in there and take him hostage. He drives him underneath a busy highway overpass and guess what? He lets he lets the man in on a little secret. Yeah, Kevin, what did he do to this guy? And I want you to use the most pornographic <laughs> visual detail. So he explains that, well, first off, so Denzel snaps off one of his white latex gloves that he's wearing and he explains that he took a little container that drug mules use to put drugs in and stick up their butt to get across the border. Nice. He took it. He put some C4 in that guy. Mm. He put it up the guy's ass. Nice. It's a little remote detonator. Mm. And he let the guy know, you know what? I got this thing on a timer now. You've got five minutes before your butt's going to blow up. He put the same amount of C4 up that guy's ass that the Expendables used to... <laughs> twice the amount. <laughs> to blow up the fortress. <laughs> It took twice as long, too, to put it up there. <laughs> There's an extended scene that was cut from the final version. Of him packing of it up there. Constantly packing C4, C4 up this guy's butt. It's 45 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Statham was there helping him slap the C4 up there. How big did you guys think that this explosion was? Do you think that it was equitable to the size of that little container of C4? That it was like an atom bomb was inside the sky. <laughs> Right? I mean, like, there was there, there was like a mushroom cloud underneath this bridge. I, I don't think a little tiny capsule of C4 would blow up a man's ass that much. I don't have any personal experience with C4. Plastique? Except, like, outside of, um, like, Goldeneye. But it was just kind of in that guy's body, right? I mean, that's, it would, it would, I think, be a pretty big explosion. Now, this was very large. It looked like it was shot with, like, a tank. How did you guys like the fact that they had an actual running clock on the screen for the explosion in this guy's butt? Loved it. I was excited about that. I couldn't wait for this guy's butt to blow up. I liked it. It was cool. I gotta give him credit for ingenuity. I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie before or since. Okay, so after that, he gets information that insinuates, uh-oh, the father was in on it the whole time. Yeah, double cross. I was waiting for it. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, so I had completely forgotten the plot twists. I had suspected from the start that Mickey Rourke was in on it, just because he was so slimy looking. And there was the one scene when they were loading the money into the car where he did something kind of weird. Hmm. And I was like, why did? Why would they even show this? Like, why do I need to see this? And then later on, you find out. Turns out that there's supposed to be $10 million of ransom money in the bags, but there's only $2.5 million, and the rest of it was paper. So Denzel Washington goes back to the father and mother's house, confronts the father, and Denzel pulls out his magic bullet, the same bullet that, for some reason, didn't go off and kill him. He hands it to the father. Father, Mark Anthony, he admits that he's a super giant coward baby, and he kills himself. Yeah, he starts crying. I mean, we all know that only weak weak weaklings cry. We learned that from Saw, right? When the guy saw his kid die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he was crying about his kid dying. What a baby. So... <laughs> 
he he loads the gun up, and at least he finally did something manly at the last moment of his life and killed himself. Like yeah, a man. exactly. I like the wife. She's like, kill him or I will. Yeah, catch him, kill him. Or I will. <laughs> so it's this time in the film that we now know who the voice is. CeeLo Green. So the voice is being pursued. His image is published in the newspaper. I like this. Uh, the reporter had information on who the boss is, this guy, the voice, and she was going to publish a photo of him. And then this thug comes out and blows her driver's kneecap into a trillion pieces and tells her, listen, if you value your life, you're not going to publish these photos. Got it? But despite the fact that she was threatened with her life, she published them anyway. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. That's uh, some character there. Yeah, absolutely. And balls. Yeah, she was heating up. Woman on fire? She was woman on fire. So Denzel Washington infiltrates the compound where the voice, his family and his brother are located. He captures his brother and brings him up to the roof, gets him on the phone, and to let the voice know that he's business, he blows off his brother's hand with a shotgun. <laughs> it's brutal. It really this, is. This, this was RoboCop, right? Yeah. <laughs> this was this this was absolutely RoboCop. This is Just without the jetpack, though. Oh, if only there was a jetpack. That's what they needed. They needed to fly off the roof with a jetpack. <laughs> Look, Denzel has a very specific methodology behind his tortures. He shows everyone he means business up front. He either shoots someone dead immediately, he cuts off a finger immediately before he even asks the question, or in this instance, he gets this voice guy on the phone. He goes, "Here, hold on, your brother wants to say something," and he just blows his hand off. <laughs> Look, Denzel means business. Okay, this, this guy was in the CIA. His job was to assassinate. His, his job was to murder people mm-hmm. before they did anything wrong, just to go out there and kill people. So he's he's not messing around. He's he's serious. Well, it turns out, surprise, Dakota Fanning's not dead at all. I didn't think she was dead from the start. Anyway, I didn't care. No, didn't even matter. To you. Didn't matter. I unfortunately knew she was alive still because I had the ending of this movie ruined for me by your wife. Yeah, she didn't do it on purpose. She at one point a few weeks ago was like we were talking about movies and she was talking about the movie where the girl's at the tree at the end and I knew she was talking about this movie I was like oh well I guess there's gonna be like, the girl's gonna be near a tree at the end so she's still alive ouch Great. ouch were you a burning man when she told you trouble in paradise he arranges a meet a meet and greet a yeah. meet and greet luncheon at the, <laughs> yeah. at, at, at the bridge horse and pony show dog yeah. and pony show <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna meet up they're gonna high five they're gonna trade trade tips, Pokemon cards tips and tricks <laughs> And they're, they're going to trade Dakota Fanning for this guy's brother. They get to the bridge. I thought that this was shot really, really well. I really mm-hmm. like this scene. Yeah, so Denzel, he he calls Dakota Fanning's mother, tells her to come out to this spot that they're going to have the drop. He has her guard the voice's brother while he goes up on the bridge to get Dakota Fanning. They let Dakota Fanning go. He sends her back to her mother. Her mother lets the brother go. And then Denzel, he starts walking towards the kidnappers too. The deal was for the brother and his life for Dakota Fannings. Yeah. Two for one? That's a bad deal. I know. He should have negotiated a little harder. Yeah, that was bothering me during I think that, he knew. I, I think it's because Denzel knew he was going to die. Like, I guess the start, so. He knew from the start that he was already going to die. You know what really pissed me off, though? I mean, Denzel had this guy's whole family. His, his whole family. Yeah, his wife was pregnant, too, right? Yeah, if he was like, I want you and, and my brother, it's like, listen, bro, I have like 15 members of your family here. I will murder all of them. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't care. I, just, I yeah. blew your brother's hand off. I don't give a shit. 
Yeah, he must be right. He must have known he was dying. That's the only way, right? It, it had to be. Well, they make the deal and the kidnappers, they kidnap Denzel, put him in a car, and then Denzel closes his eyes and like a little baby, he falls asleep and fades away. Bye-bye. Yeah, he's, he's going home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he dies. And then we get like these insane flashing lights and the camera just starts going nuts and jittering everywhere for no reason. And then Denzel dies and then in the bottom corner of the screen, it's like Denzel Washington, <laughs> 1939 to 2004. I mean, this is a fictional character. Like you don't have to put like this epitaph in the corner of the screen. Yeah, that made me question whether this is like a real true story or something. I, yeah, I thought it was based on actual events at that point. I was like, oh wow, this happened. They would have said it. Like when whenever they make movies based on real things, they always tell you. Yeah, yeah like that's a, that's a marketing trick. It's a selling yes, point. They yes. always tell you. So Just, it's strange that they would give a, a year of death for a fictional character. You know, I wondered if that was something that was added in after like the test screenings, where people at the test screening might have been like, "Well, did he live or die? Is he dead?" Huh? And they may have just added that in to give it closure for the idiots. Yeah, for stupid people. The popcorn shoveling in their mouths. Yep. Who 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 cares? <laughs> just really. Who cares? <laughs> that's it. That's pretty much. That's Man on Fire. The end. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Scott's fondness for intrusive, fake, stylish camera tricks, jump cuts, speeded up montages, abrupt changes in light, color saturation, and focal depth has overwhelmed whatever story sense he once possessed. A.O. Scott, New York Times. Two hours and 20 minutes of the most out-of-control filmmaking you've seen since your Jack Russell Terrier grabbed the handycam off the coffee table, mistaking it for a tug toy. Jan Stewart, Newsday. And finally, Tony Scott's Man on Fire employs superb craftsmanship and a powerful Denzel Washington performance in an attempt to elevate genre material above its natural level. But it fails. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, but is it really that bad? No, I I don't understand why this movie is rated so poorly. I thought that it was a pretty competent film. Sure, some of the camera tricks that Scott uses are jarring and intrusive, but other than that, I thought the story was solid. I thought the acting was superb and it held my attention. I enjoyed watching this movie. I th- 39, that's too low. I'd, I'd say high 60s, low 70s to be completely honest and I'd give it a solid 3 out of 5. If you like this genre material, I would recommend it absolutely. Yeah, for me, this is definitely not that bad. I can't believe this score is that low. This is a really really good movie. Compared to almost every other movie we've seen for this show, this is this is better than almost everything. This movie's made completely from start to finish. I understand that people have problems with some of the camera stuff and the, 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 you know some of the style choices that were made. But at the heart here, there's a really good movie. And it's also a movie that we don't see so much anymore. The, I feel like the 70s and 80s would have these revenge action movies all the time. I don't think we really get these as often anymore. And it was a fun ride. I enjoyed this. I would give this a four out of five. I think it's on the longer side, at like two and a half hours. It was just a little long to sit through, but it held my attention completely the whole time. You know what? Wait, wait, wait. After hearing what you just said, I'm mulling it over a little more. I'm bumping it up a star. Four out of five. Okay, as for me, is it really that bad? No, it is not that bad. I enjoyed watching this movie and just like you said, compared to the other movies that we normally watch on this show, specifically the last two that we've watched, this is a masterpiece in comparison. (laughs) I, I thought this was a really good movie. If you like these kind of thrillers, definitely check this one out. Yeah, there's some really obnoxious filmmaking stuff in there, but, you know, let it slide. Let, let him have some fun. You know, he's just having some fun. <laughs> <laughs> boys will be boys, you know. 
Yeah, you know, I'm going to give it a super, super rock bottom basement level four out of five. Dancing on the razor's edge with Razor Ramon. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> razor Ramon. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Timothy writes in and says, standing ovation for your Buckaroo Bonsai episode. This is the guy who sponsored it. I intentionally didn't elaborate on my selection because I didn't want to influence this socio-cinema experiment. I can now reveal that I'm in the Kevin Smith camp. I saw Buckaroo Bonsai in the theater when I was a little younger than you are now, four years out of college, and it truly is a you-had-to-be-there experience. Buckaroo Bonsai is a fever dream of a live-action comic book, and since you guys remind me of me and my friends at the time, smart, snarky, full of obscure cultural references and cracking each other up, I wanted to see if Buckaroo Bonsai would translate to a new generation. Cult films like Comedy and Love can't be explained. They either click with you or they don't. I've had the exact same reaction you had to Buckaroo Bonsai to other people's cult favorites. Why do you like this? I don't know. I just do. Keep up the great work. You're the best review podcast out there. I hope all your sponsorships allow you to pick up three Heil PR30s. Kevin, those are super fancy microphones. Mm, That's great. I'm glad he's satisfied. We want satisfied customers. Yeah, another satisfied customer. Okay, Kevin writes in and says, Hey, fellas, love the show. I was a teenager when Buckaroo Bonsai came out, and I thought it was garbage then, and I believe it's garbage now. Some movies literally require mind-altering drugs to understand them. Donnie Darko is a cult classic, but since I did not inject or ingest any mind-altering drugs before watching that movie, I thought it was garbage. Mm. Okay, Lazy Gun writes in and says, After listening to your review of Buckaroo Bonsai, I realized something completely shocking. A few months ago, I was going through a really, really, really hard time in my life. Nothing was going my way. I was wallowing in my own chaotic, insecure delusions, and I called my dad on the phone to get some fatherly advice. And I kid you not, he tells me this sage bit of wisdom. Wherever you go, there you are. I thought this was amazing advice, and I dispensed this wisdom to others. And then I hear it's from this terrible movie? (laughs) Your review of this movie has shattered my worldview. P.S. Home for Infinite Losers? Isn't that a DBZ reference? I'll never tell. (laughs) Jared writes in and says, love that you guys mentioned The Pretender in the latest review because I was thinking the same thing. There is this lady that runs the front counter of a restaurant I frequent in my town and every single time I come to pick up my order when I give her my name, she says, oh, that's just like The Pretender. (laughs) She goes on and on about how great the show was and how funny it is that my name is the same as the star of The Pretender. This is something I must endure every time I pick up food from there, but it keeps coming back for more, either because I love the food or the punishment. (laughs) I mean, that's why I'm going to name my son Jared, so he can be associated with The Pretender. Okay, Scaffy Cup writes in and says, hey guys, I've been a devoted fan since the denesis of your podcast. (laughs) Oh, see what he did there? All right. And have recently gone from watching the movies you review before to after I listen to what you have to say. I find this more enjoyable because by the time I see the film, I have your voices playing in the back of my head like a mental, metaphorical, metaphysical, metamorphic commentary track. (laughs) (laughs) So my question is this. Is the format of the show intended to have the audience members play along and watch the movie beforehand? Or are you painting a picture for those who haven't seen the film yet in the same way movie critics do? Thanks for all the hard work you put into the show. It's been a boon to 
both boys and babes born between Beijing and Barbados. <laughs> I think it's actually a combo of the two. I mean, ideally, I'd, I personally would like it if the people had seen the movie, but if they haven't, I want to cue them into what we saw and point out the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, I think this is perfectly suited for someone to listen to almost immediately after watching the movie. Oh, yeah. Because we get into such minute details at times that if you haven't seen the movie in the past week, you probably wouldn't even know what the hell we're talking about sometimes. It's a really good question, too, because I never really thought about it, the format of the show. I always assumed that it was people were going to watch it before. Same here. The reason we step through the movie from beginning to end is for the benefit of the people that have never seen it or never will see it. Just so, because you have to put these things into context. You can't just jump from thing to thing to thing to thing. Like, um, There's a very specific reason why the show is the way it is and why we do like the actors segment and all that stuff. That stuff's all filler. Tell you the truth. It's all fluff because in the very beginning of the podcast, I remember this, I, I don't know, episode one, two, or three, the show used to start off like this. Well, we just saw The Unborn. What'd you think of The Unborn? And then immediately you're like, eh, it was okay. So you like give away your review within the beginning of the show. I hate that. And a lot of people do that. If you pay attention to other podcasts and reviews and stuff, people will tell you what they thought of it like immediately, even though they have an hour to fill. Yeah. So that's why I set up this structure of us having to go through the song and dance of like, who's in the movie? And here's the history of it. A little backstory for you, Kevin. Great. <laughs> You sound like a ghost just now. <laughs> movie scary. You're just a puppeteer. Pulling your strings. Yeah. P- pulling your tampon strings. What? <laughs> yeah, think about that. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I don't, what? Okay, SC writes in and says, I'm calling extreme BS on the so-called female prison guard. No one in corrections calls the occupants felons. They are inmates or sometimes convicts. The term felon was deemed politically incorrect way back in the 60s. Why, you may ask? There are many people in prison who did not do what they are convicted of. They do not consider themselves felons, but they are inmates and convicts. For some reason, somewhere along the line, the man said, fine, just this one time. Have it your way, you scumbags. It was a good story, though. SC. Uh, there you go. That, I, think, I believe that was Maddie who told the story the last time. It's calling you out, bro. You better step up. <laughs> <laughs> your manliness is being put to the test here. You know, A man only has two things, Kevin, his word and his balls, and both are being called into question here. <laughs> okay, Andrewton and so says, every man is just a talking pair of balls. Oh yeah, all right. Andrewton and says, "What the hell?" First off, Joel, I have noticed that you haven't been choosing your words very carefully lately. <laughs> <laughs> You are. You've been flying off the handle. <laughs> also, Martin, why the face? <laughs> That's that. I don't know. It's been rough these past couple weeks. <laughs> Age, right? I've been pretty negligent with my word choices. You really have been. <laughs> Joe writes in and says, Dear Yes, that bad team. So I was checking out the new leaked photos of Kate Middleton's royal boobs. What a disappointment. These photos are taken from a distance. So far, the only people I trust to tell me what that distance is are you three fine gentlemen. <laughs> Since Kevin is married, I will allow him to pretend as though he has not and never will see the photos in question. But would you other two bachelors kindly let me know where the photographer was standing in relation to Kate's breasts. Keep up the fight work, guys. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know how many quintillion miles they are. 
I would be I, I would be happy to jump on in and explain the distance that this man was. I saw the picture of the lens that he was using, and it looked like he had the Hubble Space Telescope attached to the end of his camera. He, I mean, this was taken in Italy. I, I think he probably took the picture from Greece, so seven trillion feet. They were actually taken with the Hubble Telescope. <laughs> they were. The photos were taken from outer space. They just they actually just pointed the, the telescope towards yeah. Earth. That's it. Just rotated it real quick. Okay, I've uh, <laughs> I've queued up the photos right now. Wow, this guy's not kidding. These pictures are they're so grainy. Yep, ten trillion miles away. He was he on Saturn, right? He was on Europa, Ganymede. So before Voyager two left our solar system, they pointed it one last time at Earth. This is actually from the Mars rover. <laughs> they just pointed it at Okay, thanks for the emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yadstabad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And the question of the week comes in from Andrew. And Andrew writes in and says, Have you ever seen a movie that's left you in awe? Yeah. (laughs) Next. Head on over to yadstabad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. And because it's October and it's the start of the October scare, movie season. <laughs> Joel, you're scaring me. Stop. <laughs> it's time to watch a Halloween classic. Our next sponsored episode is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, so as I said, this is a sponsored episode. I hope everybody got their chance to sponsor an episode because the sponsorships are now officially closed. Oh, I didn't get to sponsor. Sorry, Kevin. Better luck next time. Oh. I shut the window down for sponsorships. If you sponsored a movie and I didn't put it on the schedule, send me an email. You know, I had a lot of stuff juggling, juggling these balls around. (laughs) More ways than one. And... Yeah, so if I accidentally forgot to put your movie on the schedule, send me an email and I will rectify that post-haste. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yadstabad. You can follow us on Twitter at yadstabad. You can follow Marn at yadstabad. You can follow Kevin at yadstabad. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at Stitcher. Com. Don't forget to pick up our latest premium episode at yeahitsthatbad.bandcamp.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. She was doing fine. I thought she looked like she was, what, 11? You know? Younger. Six? I got the impression she was small for her age because during the swimming competition, for, for two weeks, all, all the other swimmers that I would assume were her age were a lot bigger than her. So I think she's older than what we were, I guess, what she looks. She wasn't like 19. She's two, right? She's 26. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. For someone who's only a week old, I thought that she did pretty good. For a prenatal fetus, she did a great <laughs> job in this role. Prenatal? What the fuck? How could that be? <laughs> <laughs> For a fetus that's gonna come out of a man's penis. It's <laughs> 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 prenatal. Unconceived fetus. Prenatal. <laughs> <laughs> but there she was on screen. I don't know how they captured it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>